Four Midwest Guys presents The Multiplex. What should I go? What should I do? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Here's Johnny. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And all out of bubble. Good morning, Vietnam! I am the father. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Four Midwest Guys. Today is the first in our new series called The Multiplex. Uh, Four Midwest Guys goes to the Multiplex, I guess, and. Uh, it's just basically be all just movie reviews that we do in general. So three dads that actually are able to get a, a night away to watch a movie, watch a movie and then come <laughs> talk about it. So, and then, uh, so yeah, so let's, uh, today we're going to be reviewing guardians of the galaxy volume two. Um, so, uh, as always, like our past reviews, we'll do a non-spoiler review first and then we'll do a, after that we'll do spoilers. So in case you haven't seen it yet, You've got a chance to hit the stop button. We'll let you know well in advance. So. Are you going to introduce us all again? Or? Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally sorry about that. Uh, here it hasn't me. been that long since I've been here. Well, and back again. It's been a while. Mr. Johnny, Dirty Johnny Z is back with us. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! There you go. And my brother, Aaron. Hey, man. How's it going, dude? That's all right. And Mr. Ingebauer. Hey, what's up, man? All four Midwest guys in one spot. It's hard to believe. What up? Scheduling and all. But anyway. i got to go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I do too. So, you know, hey. Monday, but still, it's. Oh well, I gotta go back Sunday. But anyway, all right. So uh, let's get right into uh, our non-spoiler view. Again, this will be non-spoiler, so it's just gonna be kind of a yes or no kind of a question. You can go into a little bit of explanation, but let's try to hold back on the spoilers, guys. So, first of all, um, overall, uh, is it worth seeing? Yes or no, Brian? Yes. Yes. Okay. Aaron. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good film. Okay, John. Uh, absolutely. I thought it was, you know, it's a great way to, it's a kind of a great way to kick off the summer. It's a fun movie and surprisingly had a really good heart to it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's definitely worth going to see. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's, it's worth your view. I, I keep going back and forth, whether it's better than the first one or not. It's up, it's right up there with it, in my opinion. So yeah, definitely. It's uh, definitely worth your view. Um, what'd you think of the acting, Brian? Is the acting good, bad and different? Yeah, I think it was just as good as the first one. I thought Yeah. everybody did the role except for, like, we were talking off before the podcast. We were talking about Stallone. I didn't care for him either. Right. Well, it's yeah, it's kind of hard to care for Stallone. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a bit of a cameo thing, so it's hard to judge it too heavily, except it came up a couple times, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, that uh, just, like, the outfit made his face look way more bloated than it, I think it is. No, no, that's... Is that just kinda, Stallone's face now? That's, that's kind of Stallone's face now. Um, just keeps. There's some bro bigger. that I've been listening to a couple of years ago that would like keep playing Drinkenstein. So Drinkenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, for anybody who ever has seen and had to endure a rhinestone, you know Drinkenstein. Ah. Um. Yeah. I, actually, I think he might be blown because of all the steroids he's probably taking these days, but. You know, that's just the growth hormones. You keep them in the same rocky size from yeah. like 1976. <laughs> hey, yo. Um, but yeah, I thought the acting was really well as well. Um, in fact, I really liked, I liked the soundtrack this time. Mm. Um, maybe not as much as the first one. Yeah, I mean, what you were, I'm sorry. John. I was going to say like, you know, 
the soundtrack is probably like the most defining factor of Guardians. So yeah, we definitely have to cover that. It's becoming that way, right? Like I guess you know the first think, movie really defined it. But me, Aaron, you and I were kind of talking before the podcast about it. What What do you think of the soundtrack? Oh yeah, oh, well, I mean the soundtrack is definitely a part of it. But I think this film actually integrates the soundtrack into the film a lot better than the first one does. Even though I do kind of like the soundtrack from the first one a little better. Yeah, it, it definitely integrates it into the storyline in a much better way, and it integrates it into the scenes. Like even the opening credits uses like the soundtrack so amazingly. Yeah, well. like the uh, no joke. Like right after I got out of this movie, my wife actually turned to me and said, "Buy the soundtrack right now." So yeah. we listened to it on the way home, and mm-hmm. I find myself listening to it like quite a bit since then. And it's just it's got a lot of good tracks on it, a lot of stuff I haven't heard before that I, or stuff I revisit. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like there are songs in there that are integrated perfectly into the film. Like there's one song that's basically a plot point. Yeah. Essentially like it and, actually becomes like a dialogue point yeah. later on in the film. But I find myself actually like sometimes skipping a track or two more than I skip of the first soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's same with the first one. Mm. Yeah. I actually thought the first soundtrack was better, yeah. like Aaron said, and but uh, it it's becoming a staple, or it is a staple now, I guess, of the Guardians in the Galaxy universe. I would say, <clears> yeah, the it definitely is. Um, like I think if we went into the third one and it just erased the soundtrack for kind of the background noise we have in a lot of the other Marvel films, it would definitely be a, a missed feature. I think so. Well, yeah, what well, I think I think what they did was is they they heard all the good things about the first movie, mm. and they they. Turned up the turned it up the notch in the second one. So like, oh, everybody said you know we did a really good job mixing in the soundtrack and like it was the first time that the soundtrack actually played part in you know. Mm. Let's actually make it actually use one of the lyrics from one of the songs and we'll turn it into like part of the you know. Right. That's the way I felt. Like, the, like it felt like it was almost too much too forced on. Well, I, I mean, and that's, did a really good job. That's, that's kind of like what you got to do with music in a film. Sometimes I mean that's. I mean, you don't want to just have it as just background stuff. It's like, oh, I mean, because that, that was my biggest problem with Suicide Squad is I felt, and I really want to check somewhere, I really think the soundtrack was an afterthought after Batman v Superman got so much slamming that they were like, oh, we need something to lighten it well, up. That, so I they, mean, it was they, also they, they went the Guardians route. Like, if you watch the trailer for Suicide Squad, it's really had that feeling well, also of Guardians. The, uh, the company that edited the trailer was actually an outside company from Warner Brothers, right? And they actually had a different take on it, and they um, supposedly did some of the recuts to actually make it closer to the trailer cut. Okay. All right, so that kind of concludes our spoiler section, or spoiler-free section, I should say. Yeah, we spoiled so much shit in that, dude. What the hell? I know, and that's why <laughs> I was going to stop it right there, because I feel if we go any further, <laughs> we're going to start talking about actual plot points and about the movie in, in general. So overall, I think the consensus is the non-spoiler is definitely go see it. It's yeah, worth, I can't believe you ride. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then when it took the connection to the cinematic <laughs> universe <laughs> by adding <laughs> it, into it. So you mean from, the duck? So, hey, 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 the from duck? This, so from this point on, it is, you've been warned. <laughs> Actually, been warned. a few, a few spots before <laughs> you've been warned. Now you've been completely warned from this point on will be spoilers. So if you do not want to be spoiled, stop this podcast now. Hit pause, go see the movie and then come back and listen to us. Howard Duck is the only guardian of the galaxy left. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, he is in the film and it was a good cameo. It is that a good was cameo. a cameo. That was a good cameo. I really love how they keep bringing him back in the Guardians <laughs> films for just spots here and there. I think they do just to piss off the com- like the people that don't like or him. May, or, really or maybe they really? to, to piss I off the guy amazing. whose company they bought out. 
something. Yeah, I, <laughs> Lucasfilm. We make movies more frequently than Airbud. But <laughs> no, I wouldn't go that far. Um, they make them once a year, dude. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but they're good. Anyway, um, yeah. So. But yeah, I, yeah, I really think they put Howard the Duck in there just to piss people off. I really do. I don't see why. <laughs> it's such a great cameo. It's a great cameo. What, didn't the, James Gunn say it was one of his favorite characters? Well, because, because yeah, yeah that's that's why he's put him in there. Well, yeah. then they actually like Marvel went ahead and like rebooted like Howard the Duck's comics like a couple years back. Yeah, like it's actually not bad. It's <laughs> the funniest bit. Well, it's just great because if you think about it, they know exactly how much Howard the Duck and what's right of Howard the Duck because Howard Duck, Howard the Duck is a guardian of the galaxy in the comics lore. Like, he actually is one of the... I think he actually at one point became one of their leaders. And I mean, then... Really? Wow, really? I think so, but yeah, I mean... I was so not yeah, aware of that. So yeah, I, I think when George Lucas read that, he probably got this... Like, what we're seeing in Guardians of the Galaxy now was probably what Lucas saw, but didn't know how to write it. <laughs> you could maybe put him in Rocket's place, but it would not be as effective. I, no. Not even a little. Nope. Oh, yeah. the Trash Panda. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about Trash Panda, because I love, <laughs> I liked him, especially in this this version. I oh, like, yeah, they, they definitely went, between, went way deeper. He just made him total asshole. I mean, they He winks with the wrong eye. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh! <laughs> I did, I did the wrong. I did the wrong idea, you know didn't what, I? You know what? What I like about this is, and like with uh, with Rocket, mm-hmm. they uh, this what a good sequel should do is they allowed the characters to to basically evolve to make. Yeah, they you allowed know, they, you to see more aspects, right? I mean, because to think about like you know when you think of a person, you think of like what's the next stage <coughs> that someone with this personality would go through, and then yeah, Rocket would. Continue to be a bit of an asshole and push people away. And... Yeah, because he was an asshole in the first film. Well, he was, yeah. But now that he's finally got like a cohesive group that he sticks with. And... But at the same time, it's not like he's not still trying to steal prosthetics. And shit. Yeah, I know. Or steal anything for that matter. Like the yeah. whole movie kicks <laughs> off because he tried to fucking steal something. Yeah. He, from... The like... batteries. Yeah, the, the batteries. batteries. Yeah. I, I like how they brought the, they kept the eyeball gag going in this yeah. one. He's yeah. like, take yeah. his eyeball because yeah. he won't know where it's at. Yeah, I like that. Was, that was good. And then I, the uh, he, they, they they all wanted to play the music. He's like, we don't need it. Oh no, we need it. <laughs> He's gonna he can't he can't live without it. <laughs> yeah, so I I thought it was great. I thought Rocket's asshole level was brought up to. Well, yeah, but it was also like a really nice like touch into Yondu's character sure. later on in as well as it's, you kind of have God, that like connection yeah, the, of like the tie-in that those yeah. two had and that that one scene when Yondu. And he's like, you're talking. me. It's like, yeah, when they yeah. basically say, I get you. I know why you're doing this. And mm. and he just tears him down. He does. Know? He just, he completely, like, he's like, oh, you do this because this. It's like, well, I do yeah, this. He's like, you this don't have this. to do that. It's like, it's exactly the same reason. <laughs> and it's just, it's, James Gunn really did a great job writing this. Well, it, it, just, it did. It was a lot of good subplot lines that were involving you. Not only did you have. The main one being obviously ego, the planet being Star Lord. Yeah, I was gonna say like we've been talking about father. like Rocket all this time, but we haven't even gotten to the main plot. No, no, we'll get there. <laughs> but it was just that was well, just one nice little subplot. Yeah, that I but loved I mean, in all of it. also in terms of action sequences, even with how they integrated that with Rocket, it was amazingly well done. Like you have that entire like trap in the forest sort of yeah. scene. Where he's like, bouncing oh my god, that was hilarious. <laughs> 
I was laughing out loud. You watch, you just see him going up in the air. This is him running around the trees. And just a little laugh that he had every time he's like going up, like setting off one of his traps. Yeah. I even liked how he was humming the music through the mic or yeah. whatever. Through mm-hmm. the walkie talkie. Yeah. This like guy would have made McCulloch. I mean, this trash panda would have made Macaulay Culkin his bitch. Oh, exactly. <laughs> And then you have later on when he's actually escaping, like, um, the Ravager ship with Yondu. Yeah. Like, against, like, Taserface. Make <laughs> the scene face. with Taserface. This is great. It's metaphorical. <laughs> oh, my God. When, okay, when I, when I first went on Facebook and they said, we're bringing Taserface in as a character, I went, why? <laughs> and then I saw it, I went, you beautiful bastards, you know exactly how to bring in a character named Taserface. But it's but they used so good. against him, which was beautiful. When, you, oh, when they get blown up, you tell them the man that sold them out was Taserface. The last person alive laughs at us. <laughs> Uh, I agree. It was hilarious, dude. I I was rolling the whole time. Oh but my god! Rocket just tearing him to pieces. Yeah. Was great. Oh god. Taser face. <laughs> yeah. When, when they're trying to like tor- like the Ravager ship, where they're all torturing them, and yeah. you think because Rocket, well, he's not the smallest, but they're like, oh, what's he gonna do? Um, and he just fucking rips them apart. He, and, does, like, he, he gets his entire crew to laugh at him. <laughs> And I just because of his name, I was surprised oh, the crew wakes, kept following him after like, that. Yeah, who wakes up one day and says, "You know what? I'm gonna call myself Taserface." Face. <laughs> 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 oh man! But yeah, there was a lot of great subplots. But well, let's talk about the main one real fast, okay. and that being uh, Ego, the Living Planet, is indeed Star Lord's father. Yeah, and I'm. I'm just gonna say this right now. This is the first time since Loki that the Marvel Cinematic Universe had a memorable villain. Oh, yeah. Ego's like a, a fucking good great villain. villain. In mm-hmm. any of their movies that when you leave, you're like, oh, who was the guy they were fighting? Oh, I think I remember them fighting someone. No, you remember this villain. It wasn't villain. Blue Guy with a Hammer this time. Like, yeah, it no, it wasn't. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, guy it was just a random guy with an Infinity Stone into his hammer. Yeah, Brian. No, he you... is Ego the Living Planet. Yeah. yeah. What'd you think of Ego, Brian? Yeah, I mean it was good. I mean, they, he played it really well. Um, I like the I like the whole the battle at the very end. You know, no, where yeah. he kept, and he kept uh, you know he, he. It had almost like a like Dragon Ball Z thing there towards the yeah. end. I the Pac Man thing was awesome. My, I was gonna, I was yeah. just about to say my favorite moment of the whole thing when they realized. Both of them had the same power. They could do whatever. And he creates this giant rock, like, you know, Greek god figure that swings a punch. And then Star-Lord becomes back. And just chops at him. Which was great. That is fucking great. Because earlier in the movie, he's like, I can make all this stuff. I can make Pac-Man. I'm going to make all kinds of weird shit. It's going to get so weird. It's going to get so weird. And then the Pac-Man. It's going to get so weird here. And again, it just it just goes into like just how good James Gunn knows these characters, lets them develop. I mean, if anything, like when a lot of people come out of this one, like some of the people that I've talked to that weren't as impressed with it, they they say it's like, well, it wasn't as fresh. It's like, well, no shit, it's not as fresh. It's a sequel, but it's what a good sequel does well. It it builds on the characters. It lets them continue, and it just God, I mean. Continuing the character of Star Lord, I mean, because by the end of the first one, we're like, you know, when they said, "Oh, well, what is like your part human? Your mother was human. 
what your father's side was was something pretty ancient that we haven't seen before. And we're like, oh, who's your father? And then I remember, like, me being me, I went to, like, the Marvel Wikipedia page. <laughs> to look it up. <laughs> Marvel Wiki. And I saw, like, this just this giant planet as the picture. And I went, what I thought the in the fuck? comics it wasn't ego. It's like... Uh, <laughs> no, no. It's, it's like someone from the Shi'ar galaxy or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like and a universe only, president sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, and it's like the only thing I know of the Shi'ar is what I remember from the X-Men cartoon. Yeah, like you look Phoenix at saga. ego and this, and it's really like a combination of different like comic characters. Yeah, and, and it was done well. And Yeah, ego and, is... And, they and, let okay. him go way darker than I thought they would. Like, that moment... So okay, well. that moment when he said that he put the tumor in Star-Lord's Oh, I know, mom, right? That was like... Holy shit, you yeah. guys went that no, far like, out to, like, make him that despises. Like, I thought the they character. were doing, like, a Dr. Manhattan thing where, like, he had to leave because he was giving her cancer sort of thing. It's like, nope, he gave her cancer because he, gave he her had cancer to leave. Because he wanted to well, leave. I was like, you dick. He I really know. embodied ego. It was his ego. It wasn't it's always ego, yeah. about his ego. Or about... super ego, if you want to get into the Freudian Well, that's, what, it, that's yeah. what it is, though. Because he, he is a super ego. It's all yeah. about his dream, and, and nothing else matters other than himself yeah. and his... Which, yeah. And I think yeah. that, that, was, that was my favorite aspect of the movie, was the fact that the movie was basically about fathers. Like, this is a, mm-hmm. this is a Father's Day movie. Like I really want to see a percentage jump the next weekend and oh, Father's, Day Father's Day weekend because the whole movie is about who's your birth father versus who raised you. Oh sure, Yondu raised him, and that that was that yeah. to me was the standout character. Of this movie was like Yondu. fucking Michael Rooker. Jesus Christ! I mean, he yeah, was he the Yondu emotional of center of this here. movie. Well, I, the, the best line in the whole movie is. Yeah, he was your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Yeah, you know, while he's I mean, saving yeah. Star Lord at the end, and that's that's you know that's kind of the the big the big line really for the tone for the whole movie, really. Right, mm. and it's um, yeah, and honestly, I think that's kind of what made this movie for me was just the fact that watching that connection between Star Lord and Yondu develop, and letting Yondu develop. I mean, and again, it's what a good sequel does well. Like when you have a character, maybe a side character. And you give him the chance to breathe and let him, you know, become a a, a three dimensional figure. Yeah, he did well. Well, and he, I loved it. I loved Kurt, Kurt Russell. I think even I loved the casting of Kurt Russell because even when we went back to the '70s scenes, mm-hmm. he fit in perfectly. Yeah, and look, even, well, they also yeah. did like kind of the uh, the Civil War special. Sure, effects they where did. They'd like like when but, they aged Robert Downey Jr., but when they I did think, the same thing to Kurt Russell. They aged him to look like he was an overboard. But when I yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> when I think Kurt Russell, though, I think that long hair. I think of him driving a freaking Camaro or whatever. It was, I think of Big Peter. Trouble in Little China. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so I was Snake like, Plissken is taking Star Lord's mom out, and then when he went older, yeah, it was just perfect. I thought it was a really good casting. I don't know, Brian. What do you think about? Yeah, man, Kurt I thought, I, I thought he's really good as that character. He yeah. played it really well. Yeah. But he didn't play, like, even though his character was a villain, mm-hmm. he never came across as a villain. Not till the end. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, even at the end, right. he didn't come across yeah. as a villain. He came across as, this is me. Yeah. This is me. And yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was like, trying to do what was right in his mind, yeah, and that's he, what right. makes him he's, a good villain. Right. That's right. what there, makes there, a good villain there, in general. There, yeah, there, it makes him a no, three-dimensional like, character. There was no, like... Evil laugh moment. Evil laugh moment or like a, "Mm, it's all going to be me or anything like that. It was just like a, it's my purpose. Everything will be me. You know what I mean? It was never a... I actually like him better than Loki for that reason because Loki, he's Loki. I mean, in Norse mythology, we know what Loki's meant to be. And yeah, he embodies that. 
But ego in this and Kurt Russell's portrayal was just... I mean, yeah, he's pursuing what in his mind is a noble right. idea. And that's what makes a good villain is they don't set out to be a villain. Mm. They just set out well, to do what they think is right. Right. Yes. And we haven't had that in a lot of movies. Well, we, we've, we've talked about that with... Um, and, and not throw Star Wars in there, but we've talked about that with... Mm. Uh, well, I mean, if you're going to compare a movie to Star we, Wars, I think this is uh, when you can do that. Well, we're talking about Kylo Ren. and It's all about how <laughs> Kylo Ren thinks he's doing the right thing. It's the same thing. That's what makes a good villain. And that's what we're hoping we're going to get in the next movie with him. But but I'll say this. At, least at least Kurt Russell wasn't as whiny as Kylo Ren. He's emo. Come on. Come on, dude. Okay, anyone He's wanting to be a Darth Vader wanna be what, anyone what anyone that gets pussy whipped by like uh what what was what's the woman that wrote uh, Lena Dunham? Anyone that gets pussy whipped by Lena Dunham on girls. I mean, I can't take him seriously as a, as a Are you really going to throw Lena Lena Dunham and girls? That's how this? Adam Driver came oh to be. Oh my god. <laughs> That is that's the worst <laughs> fucking Doesn't show. Doesn't Adam ever. Driver actually have like military experience yes. and like does yes. yeah. he was yeah. in the military. He did yeah. like two or three tours on Iraq. Well then Gail Godot and him ought to be an interesting casting together. Yes. Though <laughs> funny if you've seen the trailer for um Logan's Lucky, it's actually him playing like a one armed dude. He actually has like a prosthetic. Logan's arm. Lucky? What is that a sequel to Logan? No, no. No. Like it's <laughs> No, that's the point. It's some version. like um Logan like NASCAR Lucky. heist thing. But no, like he's actually playing like a dude with a prosthetic arm. It's actually kind of funny. Anyway. Anyway. But yeah, I, I, it was really well done. And yes, to recap, I thought the villain is incredibly memorable. Ooh. Unlike, like I said, I don't remember the villain's name from Ooh, yeah. the first one. Like, Unlike every Marvel Cinematic Universe <clears throat> villain. Yeah. Everyone. Think about it. Well, Doctor Strange. Well, Thor the Okay, Thor the Dark World. I, Who remembers anybody from Thor the Dark World? I remember I they were remember. trolls. I don't even remember the race. There was a There was a planet of dark yellow somewhere. Dark. That's all I remember from I rem- Thor the I Dark I remember world. Ultron because Ultron's in the title. But you know that's And, and that's James true. Spader basically playing like the Blacklist uh, in Out of Metal. Mm. Dude, I love James Spader and I love Blacklist, but James Spader's Ultron was a really bad idea. That's just my personal opinion. Well, opinion. okay, here's the thing. Don't I call really like the Red Skull from Captain America. Yes, bring well, him back. That's still Hugo Weaving. Bring though, him you know? back from space, wherever he got yeah, shot off to, exactly. because he's awesome. I mean, how, how, I mean, how far would it have been for Red Skull to say Mr. Anderson somewhere in there? Yeah. That's just Hugo Weaving. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. <laughs> yeah. Mr. America. Mr. Mr. That's Captain. Mr. America. Mr. Captain. Mr. Captain. Mr. Rogers. Mr. McFeely. Oh, wait. No, never mind. Anyway. If he said Mr. Captain, it would have been just as good as Dr. Strange. We're like... Mr. Mr. Doctor, Mr. Doctor, Mr. Doctor. It's strange. So it's strange. Well, like, yes, no. but I, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't spend six years in Strange Medical Academy to be called Mister. Thank you. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> who remembers the? Okay, Mads Mikkelsen from Doctor Strange. strange. But again, who oh, remembers these? Calius or whatever. Calcius, Celsius, 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 Celsius. Uh, you know, below. I Kelvin actually liked him as a one. villain well, because yeah. Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. I mean, but it all was, I think of that, and you had Dormammu at the end, which yep. was kind of cool. Yep, that okay. I that, still don't like that 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 bad guy. But anyway, uh, but I'll say that like he has this. like an entire graveyard of his own children, like beneath his palace. It's kind of fucking cool. I'll right? say this about okay. And I know we're talking about Doctor Strange right now. That is okay for every event film that comes out everybody always has the end of the world or the end of the city or the end of all creation uh-huh. doctor strange is the only time in which a hero 
outwitted the villain by a mind game. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. maybe. The but I'm sorry, win. but it still looks like the villain from Green Lantern. I'm telling you straight up. But did the, but did the Green Lantern, the Green Lantern the actually oh, use a mind game with him? It was a little bit better, but he was still the villain itself. It was just a big cloud with a face on it. Didn't need to be any Doctor Strange Didn't defeated him with a mind fuck, but Didn't need to be any more. Yes, I would like prefer what? something. I like would prefer what? something more villain. Yeah, like if you have an entity universe, facing a human and the human plays a trick, it feels like a human playing a trick on a god. On a god? Eh. So, well, I mean, yes, you don't need another on. human because, uh, sure, yeah. we've seen tricks played on other humans, but this feels like... A, but we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, so yes, yes. Let's let's let's, let's I guess. Let's move on to Groot, guys. Mm. Uh, I love I love Groot. I knew I was gonna like it from the trailer yeah. on. Well, that mean, opening you knew you were credit like sequence Groot from you know the end of the last film. If we're being right. honest, right? Yeah, okay, but funny. that opening credit sequence to this. Oh, movie, where he's dancing in the is quite, in the background. Okay, yeah, it's the great. fight scene is in the background. background. When do we see that in any big oh, two hundred yeah. million? It's actually film? a great that scene because it's just brilliant. doing multiple things well, at once and you're just paying attention it's similar to the first one though because in the, it's star lord in the first one but we got out. that whole chase scene though we right. never we never shoved an action sequence to the background true. ever true and it was just a big bad monster it was just a monster but right. still yeah. but then you got Groot dancing the credits which was great chasing a fucking like rat it was yeah. great <laughs> oh, and, and then riding he the rat. Somebody's like, and he's like he's like Groot yeah. yes hi yeah. I see you what yeah, are you like, doing he's like I'm Groot he's like he wasn't looking at you funny. <laughs> <laughs> spit it out! Spit it out! But one of the things I found so amazing about that is I really thought that monster fight was going to be like middle of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I did I was too. not expecting that to be the opening credit. I didn't That either. is why I give that opening scene so much credit because... Oh, it's great from the beginning. And yeah. First off, it's a great song. I mean, back to the soundtrack. That, to me, the only context I had with that song before that was the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind trailer. Mm. Yeah. But... Now I'm just like, I see Baby Groot dancing and chasing yeah. that thing. But once again, this is a really good example of how it integrates the soundtrack. <laughs> exactly and and credit to the guys who did the trailers, too, because I like you, Aaron. I thought that was going to be maybe middle of the yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. Honestly, part of the climax, something. Like, I knew Ego yeah. was going to be part of it. I actually wasn't 100% positive he was the villain going into it. No, I didn't either. I wasn't sure. And that was kind of nice. In Actually, fact, in fact, I was a little confused that they put him in so early. I was like, "Oh, I thought he, he'd find him midway through he's the like, movie." He's like riding, like you know, riding like, a, like a round spaceship. To yeah, space. he's riding like a little one-inch man. Well, it, it reminded me that spaceship reminded me of the the freaking egg from Mork. Mork, I was thinking of like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That too, ship, yeah, you know? same thing. It was just like okay. But, well, no, from him being on top of it, it kind of had a weird Doctor Strange love thing too. Except like he's yeah. almost like riding it, like and holding onto a rain sort of thing. I I, I kept thinking of like uh, Super Mario World that game where like oh Super you're Mario jumping, Galaxy. When you're jumping on the when, no Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo when you're riding all those dolphins and you're like you're oh, okay I can kind of like, see that. I mean, the, the only thing like I think with Baby Groot that kind of like got under my skin, I think it's because of the fact that I am a dad. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that when he was on the Ravager ship, there's a part of me that's like. Guys, leave the little guy alone for a minute. I mean, don't, no. like, you know, just throw... I mean, Groot has his little, temper tantrums throughout Groot the has, film. I mean, he has his temper tantrums. He's, like, tantrums, just randomly but, like, hitting people. I mean, people. throwing him in a cage is, like, they, they kind of broke him down a bit. It was well, yeah, they had him, like, fighting, like, what, animals? Or, like, just, yeah, like, torturing him in a circle? Was, that What they did to baby Groot... The fact that you're calling him baby Groot, I mean, that 
like took the darkest route of the whole film. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it, they had to kind of beat him down. It was kind of like bullies picking on a little at the same kid. time. Yeah, like after like, they were done, they mean, just let him walk around. Oh, no, I mean, I, I was, I mean, after a while, <coughs> I was like, okay, I get why, but for a while, I was getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, maybe that's kind of the the dark darker side. If there right, was one right. to the movie, um, other than the ego, but um, I what I loved about uh, about baby. Baby Groot. I guess we'll just call him Baby Groot. Well, at Groot, this point, I think we can call him Teen Groot now. <laughs> well, well the, that, that's, that's the, end end, the end credits. Which I think, which I was kind of expecting. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'll be in the next movie. And yeah, it was, was kind of funny, fun. though. That like, was funny. It was like, I know how Yondu felt yeah. all these years. God, no, no, Yondu. <laughs> Clean up your room. Yeah, was it You're all over the place. Uh, okay, of, of the three of us here that are fathers, you have the oldest child. Is it, how, how close to home was that for you? I mean... Yeah, Caitlin's <laughs> room is always a mess. Yeah, Clean so up your room. Damn, green. Same thing. Yeah. They're yeah. always messy. Like what it is now is, I will, I will in, uh, I will in thirty minutes. Yeah, I will. Like it's always, it's always. I'll do it, but I'll do it on my own time. Like I'll do it, and I'm, I'm just resting. I'm just chilling. I'll do it in ten minutes, or I'll do it in fifteen minutes. I'll do it at three thirty. I'll do it at four. You know, yeah. it's always somewhere in down the line that oh, I'm going to do it then. Yeah, I think our children are becoming master negotiators. Well, they are. They're deal deal strikers too. That's the other thing. But um, my daughters learned the phrase, to. "How about this?" Yeah, like good, when it's like, good say, luck. "Hey, why don't you do this? How about this?" Yeah, get, get ready. Is you, there anything after that, or is it just that? No, it's just like, hey, I'm, I did like, like how you said. All you do is play that game because I always say that to Gabby. All you do is watch YouTube. All you do is watch this and this and this. And I was like, that, that's what. I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, uh, it's getting back to the smaller version of of, of Groot, though. I I still love that bomb scene. Oh like, yeah, even though oh, I saw yeah. it in the credits, I was yeah. still <laughs> laughing out loud. All and the once time. again, I expected that earlier in the film. I did too. I did- was not expecting that to be end film sort of thing. But that was ho damn funny. Like, oh yeah, was, and uh, I've seen it a thousand times. In yeah, the it's, what's uh, it's more like, funny in comics? I am Groot. I am Groot. Uh huh. I am Groot. No. no! <laughs> I do love what that? What, how in the actual film he's Star Lord's actually going around like, "Hey, do you got duct tape? Yeah, got what, duct tape? What's, what's Gamora's sister's name? Uh, uh, Nebula. Nebula. It's like, did you ask Nebula? Yeah, yeah. 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 You she, paused. You didn't ask her. Doesn't matter if I've asked her. You have an atomic bomb. Yeah, you're the only one that would possibly have it. <laughs> It's that kind of comedy that's, that really yeah. is gold when it and comes to. That's why I say I think it's a great summer movie because it has True. the action scenes. It has. Oh, that's the other thing I want to touch on is this may have been the most colorful movie I've seen in the cinema in a long oh, yeah. time. Like, yeah, every different thing like, has a different color. Yeah, pattern. it felt like you're like just getting drenched in like multiple colors. Well, I mean, kind hell, of you have I mean, an entire golden Strange. race. I was say, they started doing it with Dark yeah, Strange, but this one was yeah. like overwhelmingly more for me, like. It but, felt like a new wave of well, cinematography. Almost. And that, maybe that kind of goes back to the whole comic, not to make it bigger than it is, but it, it's all about escapism and, and not, mm-hmm. you know, and not immersing yourself in a whole new world and, you know, and trying to feel good about yourself in a world that's not so bright and colorful. You know, it, <laughs> just, just say it. I'm not trying yeah. to go too deep and more metaphorical. No, no, which, fair. again, is kind of a musical, which I've, yeah, I actually had to have that discussion to kind of segue a while, the, one of the reasons I wasn't so big on La La Land, where they're like, oh, this is a musical. I'm like, okay, if you think of like what the great musicals were, West Side Story, Sound of Music, Singing in the Rain, 
Those are dark movies. I mean, Sound of Music is about the fucking Nazis, for God's sakes. West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet. There's some dark stuff that happens in, like, ironic musicals, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, like, they have kind of a happier tone to them. It's like, right. But, But to go on talking about metaphors and not getting metaphors, let's talk about Drax for a minute. Um, <laughs> I really like, I like Drax a lot better in two than I did in volume one. Not that yeah, I didn't like it in volume one, but I he, thought it was better. And again, it's like him progressing as a character. Yeah. Brian, what'd you think of Drax? Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was, <laughs> it was good to see him progress. They used him more comp- comedian this time. Yes, Cause like, last time it was about revenge for his family. This yes. Time. You could tell this time it was more like he was with his friends. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. He was, so he was, you know, he, he in his own way was more open stuff and he was like he was like <laughs> you're ugly on the outside that's a joke i just made it up <laughs> it was like you know and, and that's the other thing too is like i think his relationship with mantis was it was you know both funny and at the same time kind of heartfelt he was yeah. like, <laughs> well, like, what are you doing i'm picturing myself with you so you can see what i'm talking <laughs> yeah, there, you have those moments and then you have the moment where he says you remind me of my daughter. Mm. Yeah. You know, I was just like, yeah, I think this is wow. a film that really allowed all the characters to have a lot more of those heartfelt moments. Like there's a scene where Mantis actually like touches him like when he's thinking about his dead family and you yeah. just see her just start weeping. Yeah. 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 And like that's actually like a really just it's, it's touching a moment. Scene. I mean, now, now she ta- she takes the emotion away from the other person, right? She can she can also or she can feel, she can feel it. She can actually like put her hand on someone and because feel after what that he did yeah like she was overwhelmed yeah. with his emotion. Yeah. After yeah. that he did he did tell her you're not ugly on the inside. Because mm. he's like, you're ugly yeah, on the, the outside. outside. And then he's like, yeah. but you're not ugly on in the inside. inside. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, kinda... That's what I used to tell my daughter. Or something like that. Whatever yeah. he said. You know, and it's, you know, I've actually like, seen another subplot in yeah. this movie. And I've seen some people like, you know, get up in arms about the, you know, how they portrayed Mantis in this film. It's like, oh, they made her so passive or whatever. I'm like, okay. Really? She, no, okay. She was perfect for what the story had in mind. Like the scenes that she's in in this movie are so emotionally complex. Mm. And funny, too. And funny that she fits right in that in later films they can develop her into the character in the comics. It's almost the beginning of a story arc where she's transitioning because she's more or less betraying the guy that raised her. Right. And yeah, it's it's such a... I don't know. This is starting to where I like get into the whole when people start getting offended or whatever about things. Like, like when Iron Man three came out and people were like, Oh, that's not the Mandarin. I mean, the Mandarin's not such as I'm like, they want to take a different route with it. It's like, it's a different route and it's interesting. Do you really want to have like the character who's a stereotype from the sixties and seventies? This is a better Mandarin. And it's the same thing with Manus. Manus is so interesting in this, like her scenes, like Mm. the scenes Mm. that you guys are talking about. She is fucking great in it. I was really yeah. upset that they cut that one scene from the trailer. Which one? The one where they're they're actually it was the towards the very end, and they're on the uh, on the rock, mm. and uh, ego is shooting like parts of himself, like th- throwing like you know the stuff's breaking off and everything yeah. else, and that one meteor comes by and it hits Mantis, <laughs> and he, and then he goes, they go, did you see that? He goes, yeah, it almost hit me. <laughs> 
Or there's <laughs> another one where he goes, look out after the fact. He's like, yeah, yeah. Right, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like both yeah. of those, neither one, like it wasn't yeah. in there. And it was yeah. like, oh, that would have been so good right there. Yeah. Yeah. There, well, and that's the thing is like there's a lot of uh, trailers out there that they're throwing scenes in for movies that aren't in the actual movie. Like Rogue, Rogue One, Rogue was like one, this. Rogue exactly one like is that. exactly like that. My yeah. The first time I noticed it was like way back with Paranormal, Paranormal Activity 3. Where literally seventy five percent of that trailer is not in the goddamn movie. Yeah, I don't mind a scene or two, but yeah, I, when it comes to trailers, it needs to be what's in the movie. Yeah, that's why you watch trailers to begin with. You know, part of the reason. I'm, I'm looking at your sound levels here. Exactly. I know I'm a little down. Okay, that's fine. Okay, I, I just need to. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, let's move on. We kind of talked about Drax. We talked about Mantis. Let's talk about um, let's talk about Gamora, and let's talk about Star Lord. Well, if we're talking about Gamora, we kind of have to talk about Nebula. Well, we will, but I want to but, focus on just uh, because she's got two storylines going on. She's got the thing with her sister, but she's also got the ongoing on again, off again. I think that's more passive this, in this, this than this it thing is with Star okay. Lord. Star Lord, Gamora's yeah, related. This thing, this thing okay. between us. There's yes. not much. There's more between. It's like a Harrison G- Ford. There's more of a storyline going on between Gamora and Nebula Princess. than there is between Gamora and Star Lord. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, the love story there yeah. is really just kind of it's it is so backburner, but it's backburner. Yes, and yes, you're right. The Gamora thing is definitely much more passionate and much more in the front of your face. And there's more scenes of like actual emotion between Gamora and Nebula. Like, right. Well, the whole thing. Fam- I mean, the whole thing is about family, but there's also they also touch on their relationship. So. Um, what'd you guys think? Did you like how they keep teasing the relationship or do you prefer them to go well, further with the relationship or just kind of leave it where it was? They, they kind of hinted at it progressing towards the end. Yes. They hinted they at had it growing a bit. They did. But then when I, uh, but she's definitely playing the, the, when I, okay. the, the friend being the girlfriend without being the girlfriend card pretty far. When I, I don't know if I take it to that interpretation. When I look trying at, to resist, like a feeling there that that might be there. When like, I looked up the uh, like the right. third like okay because there's like five post credit scenes in this movie. Yes, yeah. And one of them is the creation of uh, Adam. Yes. Uh, well, well, I was going to talk about that. At the yeah, end from the Golden well. People. But one of the things like when I went to look up who the hell this character is because again in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe there's so much shit going well, on in that is, universe I don't know. Yeah, some Adam people assumed he was going to be like. Hinted at in the end of the first film's like yeah. credit with the but one collector. When I went to look up who Adam Warlock was, it said relationships Gamora, and I went, "Well, what the hell does that mean for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three? I mean, because there's going to be an Adam Warlock with Nebula because Adam Warlock is pretty well tied in with the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Mm. Yeah, and so the question is. Well, not to look ahead, but would that be a love triangle if it is Gamora? I am tired of love triangles. Well, they can be film. done. Well. They can I, be I done. Is, I just, I at this, this point what, in the film, I think it would be a distraction. I think this is actually a movie that could do it kind of funny, though. Oh, like, yeah. You could make it a very amusing, especially with Star Lord. Yeah. Well, okay, but the thing is, with the love triangle, and this is where I worry because it would feel kind of sitcommy. Because with the will they or won't they feels like Ross and Rachel from Friends. And then if they throw in the 
love triangle. Isn't it hilarious if like Star Lord's like we were on a break? We were <laughs> on a break. Yes, exactly. That would exactly be it. And I'm like, I really don't want this love triangle. I think it'd be hilarious. I I don't want to see Guardians become sitcomy. Well, I don't want I really to be sitcomy, but it put it in context and within the world. Yeah, yeah, Star Lord's being like, well, I'm part celestial, and then Adam's <laughs> like, oh, blah, blah. <laughs> let's get one back and forth. Race of my kind. Yeah, there's like. Back and forth. <laughs> yeah, which again it's because actually like the context I have about knowing about Adam Warlock is again, I've mentioned on other podcasts, I watched this guy on YouTube called Linkara, who does all these comic book reviews. Yeah. And he did a Vet comic series and he did the Infinity Gauntlet. And Adam Warlock is one of the key players of the Infinity War series. Well yeah. Because they, well, they that's what they were saying. That's heavily. what they were saying. That, if you yeah. look at the Civil War adaptation, it's it's very different. That's what they were saying. They brought yeah. in this Adam Warlock because of the the next next yes. Avengers. Well, movie, because right? yeah, what Adam Warlock does is he's the one that brings all of the Marvel, like the Avengers, all the Marvel Cinematic Universe people together, and throws them in front of in front of Thanos as a distraction. <laughs> Because they can't even compete against a guy Man, who gets... Spoiler alert, Jesus. Well, in the comics, like, in the comics, Thanos snaps his fingers and half the universe is wiped out. Yeah. That's all he has to do with that gauntlet. Right. And apparently, even, like, again, looking into Adam Warlock, he's the guy that has the Soul Stone. Mm-hmm. Which is power. Which is our sixth... Uh, our sixth Infinity Stone that I we have not this, yet seen yet. I thought, is it? Because I yeah. thought the Soul Stone was powering, uh, what's his name? <coughs> Vision. No, Vision. Vision. No, no, that, that's what came from Loki's Scepter. Yeah, no. So what but the that's, stone that's, that's the Mind Stone. The Mind Stone, okay. So we got the Mind Stone. And, and who, what is, uh, what does, whatchamacallit have? The Gatekeeper from Thor? Uh, okay, let me, yeah, uh, oh, well, he one. did have, but yeah, he had the, he, uh, he had the Tesseract. Tesseract. Yeah, the Tesseract is one. the Tesseract. The, 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 the redstone? The, no, the gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. He has a yeah. No, no, no. no. The, the guy with the eyes and the sword and stuff. All right, the so, or whatever his name is. All right. So what we have is we have the mind gem, the soul gem, space gem, power gem, time gem, and reality gem. I think it's space gem. Yeah, but and I know what at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, the power gem is what's locked up in the vault, mm-hmm. which. And in, in that scene towards the end when like all those plants from uh, Ego are starting to go off and they go off on uh, the, what was it, the Nova Prime place? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking, it's like, hey, that's that's a cool way of saying, hey, that's, that, that's how the thing came out of the vault. Yeah, was, that actually would be a good way of having that go forward. That would be a great way because Thanos oh, gets exposed or whatever. Yeah, because yeah, Thanos gets these. Or lost in yeah. the damage. Thanos gets these stones relatively easy. To get his well, gauntlet. And he I does mean, it to impress kinda. He does death. have people searching for years for them. Yeah. I mean, he's just sending underlings <sighs> to do it, essentially. Right. And, and the cool thing is he does it to impress death, which... And if... I think this is going to be a great tie-in. Like, if Marvel is planning to play with, D, like, 20th Century Fox... And go Underworld. No, no, no. No, 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 no listen. Look, he's, he's yeah, this is what I'm getting to is Deadpool. Deadpool and death. So, yeah, wait, I, wait, wait. I, I'm yeah, building up to something. Okay. Trust me. So... Thanos is trying to impress Death. Yeah. Death has a thing for Deadpool. So, <laughs> so what Thanos does is Thanos curses Deadpool with the inability to ever die. 
So, and then that's how... It's pretty hard to kill him anyway. Right, it's hard to kill him anyway. But that's how Deadpool gets a hold of the reality gem and is able to break the fourth wall as much as he is. Well, that, and you could also make the argument he's slightly schizophrenic. Right, there's that too. So I was like, there's so much, like, funny stuff in there. Like, it'd be great to see, like... After Infinity War, the stone gets knocked out, and Ryan Reynolds At shows up to pick though, up the like, Infinity Stone. If you're including Deadpool, you <laughs> could arguably just be bringing in the entire like X Men universe. And at that point, that's so. Is that how we're going to bring Hugh Jackman back from the dead? Yeah, <laughs> they bring him back, or, that's or how they recast him. Yeah. Um, all right, so we kind of went off track, but we do that a lot. Um, so let's well, it's comics. You can't yeah. in the cosmic let's, universe. It's hard, enough, but let's so. talk. Let's talk about Gamora and Nebula now. So it's the, yet another family-related theme subplot that yeah. really comes to a head. Um, literally, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, that giant fight that. On the oh planet. my god, that um, fight scene! Was Brian, what would you think of the the whole the whole storyline between Gamora and Nebula, and we finally well, get I mean, to see it, a little bit more, maybe? Or I, I actually like Gamora more in the first movie than I did in the second movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did like Nebula more, though. Yeah, but, she's but, a much but, more but interesting I, character. But I did like yeah. the 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 back and forth between her and Nebula. Yeah, in this one, I really like that. Mm-hmm. But I really liked I really liked more in the first one. Yeah, I really. But I liked how they gave Nebula the backstory about how every time she lost to her, they replaced the body yeah, like that, that, that scene the alone. Her monologue where she says, "When Thanos would make you and I fight, and every time I lost." he would replace another one of my body parts. I mean, that's a damn heartbreaking monologue. Well, sure, especially when she says, she, and you, you know, I, to lose. Thanos took yeah. the eye out of my, you know, took my eye out, that whole monologue with that in there. I was like, Jesus, you know, yeah. that's beyond brutal. And, oh, that's yeah. a horribly brutal bit. But beyond, I mean, before that, you even have the bit where she's actually talking about going to kill her sister and he's like, like uh, Yondu's like uh, second, second or first mate. He's like, yeah. oh, okay, uh, I just meant like, <laughs> Where were you going to go? But yeah, have fun with that. Yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, and I think that's probably the best secondary character on the show is Yondu's uh, second in command. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Yondu, let's talk about Yondu for a second. Cause, oh, wow. Uh, Brian, I know you said, you know, obviously he, he dies in this one and you would prefer to see him maybe continue, right? Oh, yeah. I would have much rather seen him keep going and keep progressing and actually be like in the next movie, actually be part of the Guardians group. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he had his new Finn in there. And you know he was coming his, into his, his is like electronic he was coming, mohawk. Yeah, he was, <laughs> yeah, he was coming into his own. Um, I felt that it was going to be like him and uh, him and Rocket helping each other. Yeah, you know, well, down the down the down the path of righteousness. You know the, what I mean? Like the downside there is like you have two very similar characters going on the same path. Right, but it was cool because there's literally that scene. In fact, we were talking about this before the podcast. Yeah. About that whole scene where Yondu just tears Rocket down and says, "Oh, we talked about on this podcast." Oh, did we? Did we yeah. just talk about? Yeah, we did just. Say- yeah, I guess we did. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, Yondu. Dude, the guy's had like three shots of bourbon right now. I was telling you what we've done on this show thirty minutes ago. Hey, it's my first podcast in the month. Hosting. All right, so uh, Aaron, what did you think of Yondu then? Oh, he was yeah. a great character. Like you really saw him develop. By the time you actually get to his reasonings for why he kept Peter and he didn't give him to Ego, yeah. it really justified a lot of his backstory. Yeah. Like when you have the fact that he was giving like Ego's kids to him and then he was just watching them die. Yeah. And oh, just God. kept repeating the process over and over and he's 
Tilly just couldn't take it anymore? It's yeah, that was a good. He's like, but you said you were going to eat me. I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look, that's why I started. Sense of humor. That's your problem. Do you know why he kept me? Well, because I was small and I could fit into small spaces. Small places. <laughs> it was good for thieving. Yeah. And that's yeah. another reason why I wanted to start out, like when we all were doing our introductions, why I wanted to say, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! That was great. Yeah. Because that scene is just like, it's that, emotional. Yeah, oh it's my emotional. God. Emotional. It's just, and that was improv, too. He, yeah. That wasn't even written in the script. <laughs> yeah. He did, Rutgers did that right Michael there. Rucker, yeah. yeah. He okay. did that right at the, uh, like, right in the thing and they just kept it in there. There's few times that I think a comic book character's impact in a series or in just like in film in general deserves to be recognized um heath ledger in the dark knight did if we ever when we ever get around to doing our logan podcast we'll talk about hugh jackman and that one and michael rooker in guardians of the galaxy jesus christ like if you're going to give out a supporting actor nomination this is where the race starts is with him yeah yeah it was i don't know i i Kind of like you, Brian. I was a little sorry to see him go. I knew that it was yeah. going to happen. Now, yeah. like the funeral they gave for him, though. That was oh my god, god. That, was that ending, Dude, Jesus! That like, I don't tear. Like, holy tear shit! Up, I, like, this is sad, I mean, when you went from Star Lord's eulogy, you get a little tear head, and you have the you know space like okay, okay. And then you get like the rest of the Reavers well, showing you up, also have, like, giving the Reaver funeral. Yeah, yeah, and you're just like. Jesus, you're the, burning his body and sending fucking, the ashes into space. Which I think, I think that was when I was talking about, like you know, the color palette, like mm-hmm. being so bright, as colorful as it was. It was basically a build up to that moment. Yes, and emotional. Yeah, it's just it's 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 a cinematographer and a director knowing what your color is going to do in a film, and knowing well, that you need to have that much of an impact with it. Well, and I think that that just probably gets back to the last topic I want to talk about, and that's the overall theme of the movie, which is obviously family. Yeah. It's all about family, different versions of family, whether it's Drax, you know, looking at a mantis in a different way and then coming to like her and whether it's sisters or whether it's father and son mm. or, you or whether know, it's your friends, that you it's your friends family. you consider family. It's yeah. it all. It's, it's or it's the person that raised you versus who's your actual blood. Father. Right. Exactly. Which is the whole, you know, father, stepfather, relationship that we've some some of us have had and you know it, it's 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 personal it, it's it's a great fun movie but it 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 plucks at those little emotional undertones which oh, is yeah. what you know, a good way summer more emotional movie. than i think any of us were no, expecting going I, into yeah, it i definitely it's what it. it's what a good summer movie needs to be and like that's why i say like sometimes you know when i talk about movies like the dark knight or inception or stuff that comes out during the summertime they're just like Holy shit! This is a really good summer movie. I mean, there's times that popcorn films can elevate beyond what is just expected to be passive entertainment, oh, yeah. and that's what this movie does. It elevates no, it's itself just like well a classic beyond film popcorn. on its own. Yeah, like, it's, it's not just like a summer film. At even that point. and I think right. that's what Guardians of the Galaxy has going for itself is even if you don't like the comic book movie genre, if you're getting tired of it, this this movie elevates itself beyond that genre. Like this series mm-hmm. has elevated itself beyond the genre. It's a great series of movies that just, they pay attention to their characters, their worlds, their stories, what they represent. I mean, that is what a great story is supposed to do. 
And it, it, you know, and again, it's it's great. It's escapism, right? It lets you escape the real world, and yet it still reminds you of things in your life, and you can relate to and invest to yeah. and get invested with the, the characters. Getting invested, yeah. That's yeah. What, that's what makes a classic. It's what, and that's that was my biggest problem with like Batman v Superman. It was like you didn't have any characters you can get interested in or like care for. Whereas with if it's almost the opposite way. Like there's almost all the characters you like. Yeah. Like, with maybe the exception of like Taserface, and that <laughs> well, was even funny. then I still like Taserface. I, like I, like I want him to come back just for more jokes <laughs> about his name. About yeah, his name. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, yeah I mean, but like, there's cameo characters like Howard the Duck, where it's like, <laughs> yes, they brought him back, and he's just having a good time. Good, yeah. And when we were talking about Sylvester Stallone, and it's funny that it's actually in the bar of all the little sex bots, and we never <laughs> openly call them sex bots, but they clearly are. It's kind of amusing. Right. <laughs> okay, Brian, you got anything you want to add about the family? Okay. Um, let's <laughs> I think you were just sitting there. Bri- Brian, Brian shook his way. head no for those of us that can't see that on the podcast. Good. Okay. <laughs> just do not wish to comment on Howard the Duck and the sex bots. So, <laughs> what would you like to contribute to the sex uh, bots there, Brian? <laughs> so, real, real. He's still shaking his head no. Real quick, we've kind of gone over everything. We went through characters, and we pretty much talked about... So we're talking about the sex bots now? Consensus about everything we liked. <laughs> so was there anything that you maybe didn't like about the movie? Like, for me, it was Sylvester Stallone. I didn't really like his acting that much. But it was a very small thing. But, Brian, what's yours? You can think um, of anything. I don't know. I um, some, of, some of it felt too forced for me. Okay. Um, That's fair. A lot of it was placed just right. Yeah. Uh, but some of it felt like they were trying way too hard in this one. Like, like they 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 heard they heard the reviews of the first one yeah. and tried to force a little too much of it into the second one. That's like like what? What did you think was forced? Like like some of like some of the music, the music tie-ins. I think was was like that. Um, some of the some of the lines, some of the, the comedy parts, they felt a little forced. But other than that, it was I thought it was, so good. It was pretty minor. Yeah, YouTube. pretty minor stuff. Okay, yeah. Eric, anything? Um, no, I really didn't have any issue with any particular part of the movie. I actually enjoyed it for the most part. Okay. I don't get me wrong; like I wasn't thrilled with Stallone's performance, but it was okay. But it's Stallone. It was it's kind of hard not to. It was to also a very away. small part. But, yeah, but still, um, uh, John, I I gotta be honest. I mean, when I go into a summer film, or you know, a you know, comic book film, or I'm sorry, graphic novel film for those that yeah, actually yeah. Are, are, are purists out there who listen to us. Um, when I go into these movies, I, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I went in kind of a bit, a bit oversaturated with comics at this point, and it still felt fresh to me. So I just, I, I kind of went in with slightly low expe- expectations, like I, if anything, I just didn't want a carbon copy of the first movie, mm-hmm. and I didn't get that. Yeah. But at the f- same time, I felt this movie was really trying. Not, I didn't feel it trying too much, but I, I could see the direction it was going in of what it wanted to do, and it achieved it very well for what I thought. So there wasn't a lot I didn't like about it. Mm-hmm. I actually can't think of a moment that I said you know that took me out of the world it was in or that i felt didn't feel right or felt was wrong like the only time i like if i had a nitpick of it mm-hmm. i guess it was kind of the clumsy way that ego said and that's when i had to plant the tumor in your mom I'm like 
Oh, dude, I love that bit. Dude, it's it's a great bit. That's but where it, it goes dark, yeah, man. That, like, I mean, oh, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, but at the same time, in terms of like when you write out dialogue, which I've done before, and you want and you think of these moments where like people interact with each other and talk and like how they bounce stuff back, it just really felt like I have to throw this plot point out there as opposed to it just comes out naturally so where it felt. But going back to Brian's point, maybe it felt forced. Yeah, that was the only part that maybe felt a little forced. But by that point, I was so into the story and the characters and the journey they were going on that I didn't care. Okay. So it's one of those times like you can overlook the flaws to say, hey, it was fine for me. All right, real quick, uh, probably one of the bigger after credit scenes. Or there's two of them. So let's, there's five? Well, there's five. <laughs> but there's two kind of big ones. So let's talk about... We've already kind of touched on Adam, so let's talk about Adam for a second. Um, obviously, sounds like, from what John told us earlier in the comics, he's going to be... Might play a fairly big role in the Infinity War coming up with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Possibly, do you think... Because I don't think their Guardians Volume Three is in the works until after. Oh, it, 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 it has is, to be. Isn't Adam Warlock the only other person that can handle the gauntlet? Like, um, wear it? Um, no, Nebula gauntlet. actually holds on to the gauntlet for a while. Oh, because like, like I think everybody holds on to the gauntlet because the gauntlet actually allows whoever wears it to wield the power to wield yeah. the power of all six stones. Because I, I, from what I from what I remember, Adam was one of the only ones that could do it. He was the only one that talked. Any kind of sense into Thanos too, yeah. like there was actually like some some back and forth between him and Thanos of, you know, like what is right and you should yeah. be doing this and that kind of stuff. So I mean, I'm sure we'll see something like that. That's why how big this character is. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it sounds like we're not going to see him until Avengers three because I don't like I said I don't think Guardians Volume three well, comes out until after the Infinity War. Yeah, they like, wanted uh, to, they might be able to have him somewhere in the Captain Marvel film. Yeah, like right now, I've just that looked might up. be a bit of a stretch, depending on how. Does Captain Marvel come out before Avengers? I, I think actually, well, I, I actually don't think we're going to see him until Avengers Four. Really, to be honest, it, so yeah, we'll Infinity I, I War, surprised. and then we'll get whatever they title the next. Yeah, the part, Infinity War One and Two. I think part, we're going to in part, part two. two. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I just pulled up on IMDb, and they have a page for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah. It says production status, production announced. It's not even in. Development, it's not even in pre-production. It's just our movie just crossed the $300 million domestic mark. We're going to find a way to make Let's make a third one. Yeah, right. I mean, obviously they have plans to do it ahead of time, but still. Yeah, they don't even have uh, Chris Pratt announced on it. So so therefore we don't – so yeah, so it sounds like he's he's just kind of like he's announced, but we won't get to see him in action. Maybe, Maybe Thor? Ragnarok, maybe no, because it's no, kind of no, out no, there in the same way universe. too soon. But yeah. you don't think so? I think no. Thor Ragnarok's gonna be like Captain America: Winter Soldier was, and will set up. Kind I don't of know, like mm-hmm. it did for several. You know, I'm not really I... sure what it's gonna do. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Thor just kind of ties Thor and Hulk back into the universe. Yep, that's yeah, like where their places exactly. going forward. Because there, it maybe mixes in with Doctor Strange a little better with the other Avengers. Yeah, because after uh, Civil War, there's such a disconnect between Thor and Hulk. You got to bring them back into the Avengers universe somehow. Because true, I'm just... after okay, I'm sorry. It's not an Age of Ultron. An age is a long stretch of time. It's not two fucking days. But we've got to come up with. There has to be at least a little bit of a setup 
going into the Avengers, right? At some point. Um, I mean, there's got to be a little yeah, bit of a there's build. probably going to definitely be a bit of uh, I actually thought we'd get it in like post-credit scenes, but at the same time, a lot of these movies have all been kind of set up for the next mm-hmm. Avengers. Yep, um, so yeah, so I, I think what will probably happen is, like the end of this one, end of the new Thor movie, they'll come back to Earth. Well, that we're getting Black Panther before the uh, right, right next the, Avengers. They'll, as well. they'll see them come back to Earth and yeah. probably interact with maybe Stark or it's going to crack me up, right? It? And then, and then, like the extra, cre- the, like the post credits, because we're getting Ragnarok before November. Uh, yeah. yeah, but we're getting before that before yeah. we get Black, Black Panther, Panther, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is going to so, cr- so it should be Thor, Black Panther, and then Avengers, right? So we'll probably get a <laughs> or Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and the credit scene with. Like it, it pulls them into like the Black Panther esque, like being told of Winter Soldier or of Black Panther or something. Right. You know, so we're, it's going to be so funny if Hulk just crashes into you know. I thought Avengers Black Panther's Kingdom. I thought Infinity War was next year though, right? It is. So it's Black Panther. Is it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. All right. Which is funny because between like we we're have at two the part where we're getting like multiple Marvel movies a year. Yeah, I yeah. know. I just it's hard. We're, we're getting real, and that's the thing is Phase I, Fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Am I the only one that? It, I mean, I know we've been talking about these comic book movies for a long time since we started this podcast. Is there a part of us that kind of feels like for every three or four months when these come out, like there's a bit of an oversaturation? No. Of it? it does to me. No, it really it's, does. To me, it's an oversaturation of media in general, not of comic book films. Yeah. Like, there's more TV, yeah. there's more movies, there's more blockbusters. And that's worldwide. That's not just like, well, in the American market. Because, I agree with Aaron because there's a lot of copycats because we were talking, we were just talking off before podcast about Dark Universe, which is going to be the whole monster Mommy. world. Yeah. Or, no, no it's just like the revitalization. better than I thought. It it's the revitalization of the Universal Monster movies. Right. right. So but, what you're talking but about. they're yeah. trying to do a. But, Theme. Yeah, which again, yeah. fine, but that was the first. But it just seems like um, movies have taken the serial format. Yeah, they're taking a serial format or a franchise format, which, and I guess we kind of haven't seen since the forties or, or yeah, just the forties because it was so much easier to like well, turn I mean, out a movie had every it year. in you know like novel forms for years. Well, it's just it's transitioning being part of film now as well. The, the other thing I'm think the reason why I'm not getting oversaturated with it. Is because I almost feel as if it's like a TV series, and I'm just getting the next installment each time I watch them. Because, yeah, especially for Marvel, just because they're so well connected, intertwined, yeah, that it almost job. feels like I'm watching a TV episode, and I just have to wait longer because it's a bigger yeah, production. That's a fair point. I mean, you can make an argument there is because we've been less of a gap yeah. between what is so TV much, and but, what is film now. Okay, yeah, but here's the thing: is like you have higher production in television, and you have more serialization of film. I mean, just look, Agents of Shield. Even some of the characters are crossing over. But okay, but, and stuff, so, but I mean, for yeah. but again, like for some of us that you know we have, you know, because like I said, three of us are fathers. You know, we have children. Yep. A, a lot of it at times can be really hard to invest ourselves in such like. Well, if you want to tie in the next Avengers film, you've had to watch Agent Carter with well, yeah, you know Agents I mean, of Shield. Well, but on top of that, like you had to binge watch these seasons with, like, as the Netflix series, series well. and all these other movies. I'm like. Well, just let me watch the fucking movies. I don't want to have to have a Netflix subscription just to understand I, a plot point in the next Avengers film. I think they do it though, John, in such a way you don't have to. You don't. You can just watch the Avengers they movies by themselves do. if you want to. Correct. You yeah, can. But you can. It's just, it's because just I know seems... Robin doesn't watch those. You're just Caitlin. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the which TV is shows. like the, the you know it's your 
you know, it depends well, on how your daughter and your yeah. daughter's yeah. wife. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, a lot of them they don't they yeah, don't call your daughter's, daughter's mom. Daughter, sorry, wife. yes, your daughter's wife. <laughs> but yeah, so they, 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 don't, they don't watch the TV shows. And, no, no. And so and yeah. they and so they don't know all that kind of stuff. So when they're watching, they watch the movie and they like it. But for those of us that do watch it, there's those little Easter eggs, and you're, you're like, like we're picking up. But Ooh, yeah, but that. but Ooh. at the same time, so you don't have to watch them. But at the same time, it seems like there's so much production that goes into how many Marvel shows. I mean, what was it like you got four on Netflix right now? Maybe five, yep. two on ABC, two or three on right, ABC. Right, but, but the Netflix that's like one, eight the shows. Netflix ones aren't tied into the Marvel universe. Also, they're putting but one what, on like ABC's Family Channel now. Jesus Christ! That's what I'm talking you know, about. With it seems like also, there's so much. Technically, on, on FX, you also have Legion, which is. An X Men spinoff, and on AMC you have Preacher, but yeah, but that's so, not really connected to that. No, it's not connected. But again, it's a you know, wrong, graphic like, novel adaptation. Yeah, don't which wrong, I actually like just found good. out I'm I'm working on a set right now with think, somebody who worked on Preacher. Nice. I, I think it comes down to how much do you want to be invested. If you want to do it all, do it all. If you don't, you don't have to. Well, I yeah. can still enjoy the movie. You know what it is? For I mean, me, it's the same thing like as Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, Star it's Wars. Same thing as Star Wars, except it's superheroes. So, so like, yeah, like I don't have to watch Rebels to get Rogue One. Right, right, right. So. But it, but it's it's like Brian said, it's how much you want to invest into it. So if you're super into you, the superhero scene, like you're like into comics and you're like into superheroes and you're like Superman, but you like Captain America and you you know all these things, you're gonna watch all that stuff because just like for Star Wars, if you like Vader, you like Luke, but you like this, See, but, but you like this, and you want to watch this, and you want to watch this. I, I want to I want to read the books, and yeah. I also want to watch Rebels, but I want to do this, and I okay, but that's the difference between like okay between in the nineties when like you had these multiple storyline tie-ins with like comics and novels and everything you can write this stuff and you can like draw it and you can produce it and all this stuff there's a lot less capital investment that went into that than goes into 200 million dollar movies every year versus you know i don't know how much of a budget gets invested yeah, in the tv series there there's quite a bit of a budget trust me well, there, on tv there's series like there's a like, lot more money that goes into this stuff sure versus that's why i feel a bit of an oversaturation because like when it's you know in when it's just comics and books and when you're reading them you you know with that stuff yeah you can take in the easter eggs or whatever great but well, that also could just there's be like a lot the less of there's a lot less there's exactly. a lot less money in the production that goes Does that into matter? it to saturation. Yes. Why? Because like it's money about, that can go into other stuff. Well, yeah, but you're talking about we can go into like yeah, well, but, like I say is like there's there's stuff that can go into like you know I, so much other. But I, I don't see them stuff that I don't see dramas ending. I don't see other franchises. Yeah, you don't see rom coms ending. There ending. is definitely actually. I will. Like, you know what's funny? Movies all time. Okay, I, I gotta say this, and that's actually it's funny because I actually started thinking about rom coms lately. There's less romantic comedies produced now than there were produced ten years ago. Well, because because let's face it. Ten years ago, they really started to suck. <laughs> like yeah, it got to the point that nobody started right. watching and then, them. And then superhero movies started making money, so they put money where them where well, they can well, make money. It, it's it'll just, transition to something else. Yeah, it'll transition to something else. Yeah, yeah. it's like well, this, it's it's this, like what Spielberg was saying about yeah. them. Like they are today 
what the westerns were in the 1950s or or if you go with the spaghetti westerns of the 70s and how dark the 70s those, were okay the spaghetti Star wars comes out and reinvents spaghetti the westerns in the 50s and 60s were a subgenre because they're italian productions and okay. they didn't get a big release in america they were a subculture they were like what gets released in the esquire here versus what got released in the multiplex okay fair point but Let's just say the whole genre of the seventies till Star Wars. Comes let's out. let's discuss the seventies, <laughs> please. The 70s? I will discuss the seventies happily with you. You do okay, fine. Let's just this the darker tone of everything. You were coming out of post Vietnam era. The everything that they were releasing was not very bright. It wasn't about future. It wasn't exciting. Star Wars comes along, which is why Rocky on. the year before was a big hit. Right. A one million dollar production that made hundred and seventeen million at the time. To escape and they want to feel right. Good. They wanted to escape us because they wanted to feel good again. And yeah. and Rocky came out literally at the bicentennial. The night you know, 1776, 1976. Okay. It was a perfect time for the American dream. And it was a time when Americans wanted to feel better. Okay. And it was and I actually watched the whole thing. Star Wars was essentially the end of what was known as the Midnight Movies, which started in the 60s with a film called El Topo by a, uh, a Russian filmmaker, I, which El part Topo. of my inebriation and my fatherhood mindset right now. El but uh, he was a guy that started the Midnight Films, which was like kind of a underground you know, movement of cinema, mm-hmm. which started that. It started the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. And then, which it be, you know, that became kind of a subculture. That was a time in which the early 70s had a subculture in film. And then when yeah, Star the Wars... In the 70s, you had a subculture in most media forms. Star Wars, when they brought out that subculture, no one expected the subculture to become culture. Mm-hmm. And that's the time in which it brought all the elements of the post-Vietnam era of the midnight film, of all this stuff that just came right to a head. And it did it in such a way that it brought everything back out. Yeah. And it brought back the the metaphors and it brought back the excitement. Well, no, it brought... It, yeah, it did. It, it's, it's, okay, more than metaphors, what it did was it took existing tropes in what he studied from both Joseph Campbell's, you know, yeah, the, hero, hero mythology journey, and everything. Yeah. But it also took both Western mythology <sighs> yes. and Kurosawa yes. filmmaking, mm-hmm. which goes back to the 50s. Yes. So, I mean, which, you know, that's why I said George Lucas at the time was the budding Quentin Tarantino because he knew how to, you know, basically he was the best ripoff artist of the time. Yes, he was. And but I, I but because that. he didn't know how to develop writing. Tarantino knows how to develop writing. Well, Lucas got obsessed with effects. Well, here, here, we, we True or false, we dialogue need, of Tarantino is we, better than dialogue yes, of Lucas. Yes, yes, I'll give you that. But, there you go. But that's another podcast, my friend, because okay. this is about, supposed to be about Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. So, <laughs> all right, so we've, t- we've discussed Adam, so let's move on. You wanted on. to go into 70s, so I got into well, 70s. I, I, I can... You really I went... Really I can after. I can tell you seventies. <laughs> yeah, we can debate the seventies later. We'll call it the seventies. All right, um, the seventies with John, just like <laughs> I have my own podcast train from that. Go fuck yourself. You asshat. <laughs> I told you I'd bring that who, into this. Who calls somebody an asshat? Really? <laughs> Seriously? Anyway, all right. Um, so what was I going to say? Uh, oh yeah. So the other post credit scene. We have the uh, Ravagers getting back together underneath 
Stallone as their leader. Um, anyway, <laughs> I don't think it's going to turn into anything. Dear God, yeah. don't turn into anything, No, please. I think it's just a nice little post-credit scene. It's a reference to the original Guardians you know, cast, okay. what do you which think? I think now is considered Guardians 3000, something like that. Yeah. Is okay. it? Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Brian? Do you think they should or shouldn't? Yeah. Oh, I think they shouldn't. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they should. I think, I do think, like Aaron said, I think <laughs> it was just a nod to the... The original? Nod to the yeah. original, but... I don't, you know what? I don't think they should. I think it's going to be the next Netflix series with starring Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> no. <laughs> no El Topo. No. <laughs> Look up El Topo there. El Topo. Chatterbox. El Topo. El Topo. Right. And Chatterbox. Look up that one. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no. No. I'm not going to. No, we're not going to talk about a talking. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> and now you've got our audience interested we, in Jenner Box. Uh, we could also look up teeth, and again, you can read. <laughs> yes, look up teeth. You can reach that's John's and Ardelli at. <clears throat> so, uh, moving on. I think we've covered everything, and we're now. Dear long. God, what the hell haven't we covered tonight? So, <laughs> before we go even crazier, let's get right to final thoughts and grades. All right, Johnny, since you're so long-winded, I'm going to give you the final, the first final thought, Craig, for you know, the Guardians alcohol- of the Galaxy Volume 2. You know, the alcohol has actually helped give me the long wind through this uh, sinus infection or whatever I have. Um, yeah, definitely solid uh, A- for me. This is, like I said, it's, it's, it's a summer escapist film that's so much fun, and I, I had a hard time finding anything I disliked about it. I just... I had such a good time watching it. The soundtrack was great. The you know the interaction between all the characters was fun. It was great to watch them all develop. It was just it was a great damn time in the theater. And you know my wife and I we hardly get a chance to go out. And every time we go out to the movies, and it's sad to say the last movie we saw in the theater was La La Land. And if anyone knows my thoughts on that. Um, she hated that movie more than I did, so we've had a hard time enjoying a movie together in the theater, and we both really enjoyed the film. It was a great time. Cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, I love this movie as well. I would also give it probably an A to an A-. minus. Uh, it's. I keep going back and forth. I can't decide if I like this one better than the original or not. Um, it's up there. It's close. It's damn close. Um, but yeah, overall, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, a, it, it's fun. It's colorful. It's in your face. It's hilarious, but it also does the it hits that uh, those family undertones and, and it, it hits your heartstrings with it too, you know. And it's 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 a great escapism. It's it's worth seeing in the theater and it's worth paying whatever price they decide to charge you to see it. It's it's that well well done, uh, and I I can't say anything more than that. Uh, Aaron, uh, I'd give the film a solid A. I think this is. At this point, it's more or less Marvel's morally relative Star Wars film. Yeah. It is a space soap opera that has a heavy basis on the soundtrack. You have lovable characters in the group dynamics thing that plays a large effect. And it's fun, it's heartfelt, and there's really nothing to dislike about it. Okay. Brian? Uh, I'll give it a B plus. Okay. I, I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed the film. I, I, like, I, I like watching it. Yeah. Um, it just didn't... It didn't it doesn't stick out there. Didn't resonate with me. No, I, I like I like the first one way better than this one. Okay. Um, but I think it was because the first one caught us off guard. Yeah, we were. Um, 
the second one, like I said, kind of felt forced a little bit, but okay. overall, B+, plus. it's a good movie. Excellent, excellent. All right, so where can you find four Midwest guys? Well, it's real easy these days. You go to the number four MidwestGuys.com. Again, that is the number four MidwestGuys.com. And John, what was that? Do you remember what that was? What? What? What is it? It's number four MidwestGuys.com. That's right. Why'd so, you ask me? Because you were looking at your phone. Because I just looked up that Alejandro Yodorowski was the guy that directed El Topo. El Topo. Watch El Topo. There'll be a there'll be a podcast soon called El Topo. <laughs> All right, and so, then El Trino. And then El Trino. All right, and then L70. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guarantee you, I know more about seventies than our uh, like train loving friend does. <laughs> Coming soon. The seventies. Coming soon. It's a long story. Circus trains versus the El former Topo. Midwest guy. The uh, <clears throat> the drummed out Midwest guy. He's like the fifth Beatle. He's the fifth. He's, he's, he's the the drummer. The <laughs> was it the original drummer? Yeah, the he's the original drummer. You know, he's still around. We still love him. Anyway. Not the only one to check my phone during this podcast, there, buddy. Your phone went off during the podcast. Hey, hey, hey! I was. <laughs> am I the Ringo in this situation? No. No no no, 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 no. Now Ringo would like you know create a song for the Beatles and they would hang it on the fridge. Yay! Um, you actually provide very good substance. Okay. You're the George Harrison. You are. <laughs> so, without it, and George was very talented. Okay. All right. Um, he, he wrote that great ending song for Lethal Weapon too. <laughs> just my references go just. You know, I, I try to keep it on track, and you just. Out of left field, dude. Anyway, uh, well, I'm off my meds, so. Are you? Yeah. That explains a lot. Okay, so again, it's the number four MidwestGuys.com. And there you can find all of our podcasts. There you can find everything's categorized. You can find links to our Facebook, to our Twitter, to our uh, YouTube account. So follow, like, subscribe, our Podbean. It's all right there. One page, one stop shop. Again, that's the number four MidwestGuys.com. So please step by, stop by, drop by, check us out, leave a comment for us. Let us know how we're doing. All right, so, um, Mr. Agabar, thanks for joining us. Hey, you me, man. Thank you, sir. And my brother, Eric, thank you, yeah, sir. No problem. And the dirty Jay-Z. Alcohol is a great replacement for your medication, audience. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and this is Don't the- ever take my advice, ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually good advice. That is the best advice I can give anyone. Don't <laughs> take my advice. <laughs> I think I'm going to change your name. No, your name is now El Topo. El Topo. I'll take it. All right, El Topo. All right, so... My midnight screenings are the keynotes. I don't know anything about your midnight screenings, dude. All right, this is Be Willie saying... We'll so much more about movies. <laughs> 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 this is Be Willie saying we'll catch you next time.